0: Hey y'all, welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports Podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, September 27th. Let's start with the in case you missed it portion, and then go on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Okay, there were literally so many sports going on this weekend that I had a hard time picking what screens were covering what games on what day. So we've got baseball to cover today, college football, NFL, definitely some golf, and some Olympic sports. So let's get started. We're going to do kind of a big segment on baseball since it is the last week of regular season. Wildcard games start on October 5th, which is next week. So let me kind of explain to you how playoffs work. Each of the three division champs in the American and the National Leagues automatically move on to the postseason. So far, those teams that have clinched their division championships are the Rays, the White Sox, and the Brewers. Then each of the leagues get two wildcard spots to play for the final spot in their playoffs. Wild card games are very aptly named, as in it is a one-game, single elimination, and the winner goes on to play one of the division champs. The World Series will begin October 26th and run through November 3rd. So let's go over where we sit right now with the American League. The Rays and the White Sox are their division champs, already clinched, already a done deal. They will make playoffs. If everything goes status quo this next week, the Houston Astros should also be a division champ. That leaves the two wild card spots left. The Yankees are one game ahead of the Red Sox, mostly because they swept the series versus the Red Sox this past week. So that was huge for the New York team over their rivals. Not only do they hate each other, but it actually put them on top of them for the wild card race. Then the Blue Jays are one game behind the Red Sox, so the Red Sox can't lose another game or they'll be tied with the Blue Jays. It is pretty much a three-way race for those last two spots in the American. So the National League is a little bit more complicated, so bear with me here. Let's start with the easy stuff. The Milwaukee Brewers have already clinched their division. They are champs. They're moving on in the playoffs. However, the Giants and the Dodgers have secured a playoff spot, but they're in the same division. So, which team ends up as champ and which one is taking that first wild card spot is still currently up in the air and will get determined this week. Right now, the Giants have the advantage to be division champs. Either way, the Giants or the Dodgers are both going to playoffs. It's just in what spot. The Atlanta Braves are in the top spot in their division right now and if all remains status quo that should go forward and the St. Louis Cardinals have a 16 consecutive win streak going on after they beat the Cubs this past weekend that now puts them comfortably in the second wild card spot and it looks like it's going to pretty much remain that way as far as the National League goes. By the way, that 16 consecutive victory win streak for the Cardinals is the longest in team history. It is also the longest streak since in the majors since the Cubs won 22 in a row in 2017. So that's the playoff picture for the MLB right now. And like I said, this week is kind of determining who those final people are in the American League who make the playoffs and kind of just determining spots in the National League. Turning to college football, it is the second week in a row that we have had six losses in the top 25. The teams to lose were number seven, A&M, number nine, Clemson, number 14, Iowa State, number 18, Wisconsin, number 21, UNC, and number 25, Kansas State. Clemson fell to NC State in overtime for their second loss of the season, and they have now fallen to number 25 in the top 25 rankings. That is the first time Clemson has been out of the top 10 in over 97 weeks. They were actually tied with Alabama for the current longest streak. Obviously, now Alabama is now one week ahead of them as they are still ranked number one this week. And the longest streak ever, by the way, if you're just wondering, is Miami from 1985 to 1993 with 137 weeks. Along with Clemson, other teams to have their college football playoff hopes just dashed for the for the season is UNC and probably Texas A&M. UNC lost to its second ACC team, so it looks like it's going to be a challenge to even get to the ACC championship game at this point. And Texas A&M lost to Arkansas in Dallas at the Jerry World this weekend. The score actually didn't look that bad, but Arkansas took early Early control going up 17 to zip. Game day was in Chicago for the Notre Dame versus Wisconsin ranked first ranked battle. And don't let that score fool you of 41 to 17 win for Notre Dame, who was an underdog for this. It really lo- was a lot closer until the fourth quarter when Graham Mertz, Wisconsin's quarterback, threw a couple of pick sixes. The team in general had five turnovers and you're just not going to win that with five turnovers, especially against a ranked team. The Big 12 had a rough weekend with number 14, Iowa State, who had been on a great run of being ranked, now drops out of those rankings. And number 25, Kansas State, had just newly broken into the rankings. They also lost. They were replaced and put in Oklahoma State, who beat Kansas State, is now ranked. And Baylor, who beat Iowa State, is also now ranked. However, the top Big 12 team, Oklahoma, barely pulled off a win against a West Virginia team also unranked with a last-minute field goal. So it has not looked good for the Big 12 lately. Week 5 features four ranked versus ranked games, and I'll go over those in games to watch. Game day would be down in the south between Arkansas and Georgia. However, I will say that almost every Every team in, like, the top 25 I have on upset watch. I have Iowa, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, UCLA, Auburn, and Clemson all on upset watch for the week because I think there's a lot of close games that will come out of week five. Also, an important lesson was learned this week by Ohio State linebacker Mr. Pope has a message for all you Gen Zers. Don't get angry and tweet. For more on that, go to the blog for that story. Moving on to NFL. We are in week three and there was some major shifts, including we have a new Super Bowl favorite in Las Vegas. The Ravens avoided an upset at the hands of the Lions by scoring a game winning record setting longest NFL field goal ever. Thanks to Justin Tucker, who hit a 66 yard field goal. It actually bounced on the crossbar and bounced in. How lucky is that? Like I said, this is the longest field goal in the history of the NFL. The previous record was 64 yards set in 2013. Aaron Rodgers has bounced back in a big way. He led the Packers on a game-winning drive against the 49ers to pull off the win 30-28. to Rodgers actually got the ball with 37 seconds left, no timeouts, on their own 25. And he was able to get them within field goal range, at least that 50-yard field goal range, and they scored that to win. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers have suffered their first loss of the season at the hands of the Rams. QB Matthew Stafford and the team really seem to be vibing and are now favorites to win the Super Bowl. This is huge because there was a lot of speculation going into the season after the Rams traded golf for Matthew Stafford, who has been injury prone over the last couple of seasons. So this is a big, big step. The Chiefs are having a hard time with ball security after their loss to the Chargers, 30-25. to 25. Ball security just means they turned over the ball a bunch of times, and actually the number was four in that game. So you're just not going to win those. Like I said earlier, in college football, you're not going to win it in the NFL either. Their head coach, Andy Reid, was also taken to the hospital for dehydration after that game. He is expected to be okay. Moving on to the other big news from the weekend in the world of golf. Team USA took home the Ryder Cup, and it was a domination. Team USA won 19-9, to the most points ever scored by an American team since this competition moved to the current format, which is United States versus all of Europe. That has been since 1977. This is also the first time Europe has not won back-to-back ever. They don't actually give out an MVP award, but Dustin Johnson was essentially the MVP of the American team, winning all five of his matches. He's the first American to do this since Larry Nelson in 1979. And I wouldn't expect this to be the last time you see this American team. These 12 guys were the youngest average and probably the highest ranking-wise ever. The team had six rookies on it, including Scotty Scheffler, who I know and love, And he took down the number one golfer in John Rahm in Sunday singles. Another rookie, Colin Morikawa, was the clinching point to secure the cup for the United States. To say the Europeans are disappointed is a huge understatement and might be the understatement of the year. Normally very composed, Rory McIlroy got very emotional and actually cursed on TV during his interview after his singles match on Sunday. This was his only point that he brought home for the team, and it was very apparent how much he felt like he failed the team. A bright spot for the Europeans, though, Sergio Garcia set the Ryder Cup record with 25 career matches won in this event. The next Ryder Cup will be in 2023 in Rome, and the United States has not won in Europe since 1993, but they made it clear this week that they expect to come in and make it a really, really good match. I also want to thank those of you who tuned in on Thursday when I did a Ryder Cup podcast. If you're still wanting to know what it was about or how the Ryder Cup works, then go check it out. Just some quick Olympic sports stories for you. Former Olympian and now announcer Elizabeth Beisel became the first woman to complete the 10.4 mile swim from the mainland of Rhode Island to Block Island to raise money for cancer research. She did this in honor of her late father who passed away from pancreatic cancer last year. She completed the swim in just over five and a half hours and raised $133,000. Sticking with swimming news, Katie Ledecky is joining the Florida Gators coaching staff as a volunteer swim coach. Ledecky has actually been training in Stanford also while she studied there. However, she is now training with head coach Anthony Nesty for the Paris 2024 Games. Always a good thing to hear for Team USA. And it is the end of an era in sumo wrestling. The GOAT Hakuho is retiring at age 36. He has won 45 tournaments, including 16 perfect victories. This is a record in the sport. He is retiring due to a right knee injury after 1,187 wins, also a sport record. I told y'all it was a sports-filled week last week, but now let's move on to what you should watch this upcoming week and weekend. As I said before, the MLB wraps up its season this week with games being televised on Tuesday and Wednesday. And Wednesday, we see the Yankees at the Blue Jays at 6 p.m. on ESPN. In the world of college football, the week five top 25 top games of the week. College game day is at Georgia for number two Georgia versus Arkansas at 11 a.m. on ESPN. We then see Cincinnati taking on Notre Dame, who just beat Wisconsin at 1.30 on NBC, an SEC showdown between number 12, Old Miss, at Alabama, number one, at 2.30 on CBS, and then we got a big 12 matchup, number 21, Baylor, at number 19, Oklahoma State, wrapping up the evening at 6 p.m. on ESPN2. In the NFL, we have the Eagles at the Cowboys, actually right now as I'm recording this, Thursday, we have the winless Jaguars at the Bengals at 720 on NFL Network. Then we've got all those games on Sunday, nine of them at noon, depending on your geographical location on Fox or CBS. Then we've got two games at 305, two games at 325, and the Buccaneers at the Patriots at 720 on NBC. Monday Night Football on the 4th of October will be the Raiders at the Chargers at 7.15 on ESPN. We go back to regular scheduled programming in the world of golf with the Sanderson Farms tournament this weekend. That'll just be on Golf Channel at 3 p.m. every day, Thursday through Sunday. Bryson DeChambeau is actually competing in a long drive competition starting tomorrow. However, that will just be on live streaming. We have a couple motorsports on this weekend. We've got NASCAR on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, depending on what league you're looking at. And we also have the return of MotoGP returns to Austin, Texas at Circuit of the Americas for their one and only race in the United States. They have not been here since 2019. That will be on NBCSN at 1.30 p.m. on Sunday. And I will actually be in attendance. I'm only going to highlight one soccer game, and this is from my girls listening. Man U and Cristiano Ronaldo takes on Everton at 6.30 a.m. on NBCSN if you'd like to set your DVR for the Premier League on Saturday. And just wanted to give y'all a heads up. The NHL has started preseason. Those are not on TV, but regular season starts on October 12th. And the NBA returns to action on the 19th. That about wraps it up for me. I know we're a little longer than usual, but like I said, it was a sports-packed weekend. And I just wanted to thank you all for tuning in and give a shout-out to the OU Club of Dallas. The OU Club of Dallas has partnered with the Renaissance Addison for a hotel block if you're still in need of a hotel for OU Texas Weekend. That hotel block is priced only at $187 per night, and a portion of your stay go towards OU student scholarships. The Renaissance is the OU hotel for the entire OU Texas weekend. It's the site for the big Beat Texas weekend pep rally on Friday night, and you can even get police escorted buses to the game. So no more sitting in traffic for that 11 a.m. kickoff. So if you want to stay in the know and with plenty of Sooner fans, check out the OU Club of Dallas website for links and tickets. I will personally be in attendance, so boomer Sooner, and thanks for listening, y'all.